Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is a member of the Believe Podcast family that's spelled B-L-E-A-V and that's why on your favorite podcast platform it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Reports I'm not a holidays person but if I were and I, if I were to make a Christmas list holiday list for people that aren't in my family it would be to have the original name of my podcast which does not have the network name in it but Santa isn't real so that's not gonna happen oh so sorry for anybody who's like 10 listening to this um anyways enough of that Mr. Gosson on to this week's wonderful wonderful guest longtime friend of my, of mine I'm not even gonna say friend of the pod friend of mine and uh lovely lovely LA staple of the LA comedy scene please give it up for Lynn Molly everybody hello thanks so much for having me Jake no problem Lynn I feel like I gotta snap with this this jazz that I is in the background of this gelato shop we're at. It honestly suits both of us. I, I, I think argue. it does. I'm in a blazer. You're in a big, ski warm coat. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. ski home from you're, here. You're going to ski home? Yes. I mean, you know, this part of Sunset's hilly enough to do that. Yeah, and I think it is like a whopping 67 degrees, so yeah. pretty frigid. Pretty L.A. frigid. <laughs> and to those listening where it is actually cold... Look, if it's 75 all the time, your body adjusts. Sorry. Yeah. I'm from the East Coast. I have no excuse. I mean, you do. You've lived here how long? 14 years. That's, I mean, it only takes like a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting till I hit the time where I've lived as much there as I have here, which will be 42. Right. Obviously, that makes you an Angelino, but is there a point at which you're like, okay, like, this is like I, I I'm an LA person. I think it's when you stop wearing shorts in December. That's when. Right. Yeah, you're deep in. Oh, and once you have an astrologer. Yeah, I. It, it's so interesting. I know. I I clock East Coast people who just move here all the time. Oh my gosh. When they wear shorts in December and wear flip flops in the street. Also, when they're well, I don't know. Maybe you interact with people who aren't comics, but whenever someone moves here and feels like. They're the first person ever to tell jokes about the difference between New York and L.A. That right. drives me bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Even in a meta way, that's kind of done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. have one difference. You have one? But it was it was gifted to me. I didn't come up with Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Gifted. How so? Uh, so basically, I was sitting on my balcony, and this man on the balcony across the way right. shouts over to me, and he goes, Hey! I hooked up with the girl in there last night, and I was like, oh, great. And he's like, I'm from New York. And I was like, great. And he's like, you know what's the difference between New York and L.A.? And I was like, lay it on me, dude. And he goes, the difference is, in New York, you've got to put your dick on the table. But in L.A., women take it out for you. Wow. I've been thinking about it. That is, I mean, I will add my own observation as a corollary to that. People in New York, it seems like they would die if they couldn't have sex. I, you know, I don't know New Yorkers that deeply. I, so I have so many questions about what that means, that statement. I, it it means that anytime I've hung out at a bar in New York, it seems like every other question is about how to get laid. Men, women, non-binary people, they're just all like, 
real, real, real thirsty. It's a lonely city. Which is crazy because it's more packed than ours. It's true. It's true. But I guess you don't want to be sleeping in your own garbage apartment. So maybe sure. you could sleep in another. You have this illusory experience that you're yeah. on vacation, yeah. I guess. Just hoping to find somewhere with an actual walk-in kitchen. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh... How are you these days, Lynn, on this side of the pandemic? I don't know. Should I even keep saying that? People oh, will I think, think you got to cut the pandemic talk. Okay. I blocked it out. You blocked I've it out? I emotionally blocked it out. I won't think about it. Uh-huh. I can't. I can't do you do have, it. like, a seven-second, like, delay in your head, like, TV sensors? It just, like, bleeps out? Yeah, I short circuit. Got it. Got it. Um, I will say the traffic here I feel like really suits the years I spent hosting comedy shows outside. Yes. Yeah. Wolf Den, for those in the know, was a very, very fun house show in Silver Lake. Right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Li- you, we can literally walk there in like five minutes. Yeah. Just the, the hill will be a challenge, but otherwise. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So take an Uber if you were going in the past <laughs> to that show. Yeah. 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 And then Dirt Pit. Glendale. Yeah. And then the Brad Pitt show. The Brad, is that how it's going to be remembered? The Brad Pitt show? The Brad Pitt show. It had three shows, and I think. Even those, what did you call it? Comedy Plaza, Sunset Plaza, something like that? The Plaza. It was called Comedy at the Plaza. Comedy at the Plaza. But the, all right, I will let you tell this. What, What happened? So I was doing the show at Dirt Pit, which was a cute show in Glendale. We had Jake on it. He did yeah. great. And um, what It had it, its own sign, which I always loved. It did. And a target. So you got to... Right. All the women made jokes about standing in front of a bullseye. Yeah. It was a good bit every time. Right. But uh, an audience member saw it, reached out to me, said she had friends who had a backyard. Mm-hmm. And would I want to do a show there? And I was like, sure. And I went over, saw the backyard. And they were like, oh, by the way... This used to be Brad Pitt's house when he was doing Interview with a Vampire. And it's this gorgeous house in the Hollywood Hills. Right. Mid-century modern. Yes, Just like we like. Yeah. And um, for whatever reason, like 150 people showed up. Right. To every show. Right. But the people who were running it never told me that the landlord didn't know. Yeah. And so we received a cease and desist. Me and my co-showrunner got cease and desist to our work emails, which we thought was really special. Awesome. Yeah. Also, I feel like you're not – like, there was so much promotion that I'm going to guess was not on your end that mentioned – this used to be Brad Pitt's house. I asked them. I was like, can we say Brad Pitt? And the guy who lived there was like, yeah, that's like my primary pickup line. <laughs> oh, my Go God. Forth. Which says so much about yeah. a person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he should move to New York after yeah. what we talked about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. But then I asked them. I was like, can we advertise this? And they were like, go ahead. And then right. Right. it came back to haunt us. It's okay. It's all over now. I'm not supposed to talk about it anywhere. So Really? Whoops. Whoops. I don't think he's going to find this. No. No. No, it's Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. There's a million houses Brad Pitt has lived in in this world. It I'm, could be anyone. Oh, yes. Uh, ar- literally around the world. Truly. I think he has a house in Morocco. Maybe I'm making this up. That might be Ryan Gosling. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I'd have one. 
Is that what you, is that what you're aiming for? A house in Morocco? Uh, the only reason I say that is because I've been to Morocco, and somebody told me there you could get an entire like several story house right. for seventy k. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But where though? Not in like. I think Mar- like in the heart of the city. This oh, like Marrakesh. But if you've been to Morocco, you don't want to live there. Yeah. Like it's great to visit. Right. Yeah. Just like I, I read uh, last week. This is a, this has actually been happening for years now. Like tiny little towns in Italy will like put up money for you to live there as long as you like get Italian citizenship and that you in, you actually live there. But the thing is, you live out in the sticks in Italy. Yeah, in like nowhere Italy. Yeah. But you get like a castle, right, or something, or farmland, or something. I don't know about castle in this economy. <laughs> uh, you get a you get like a villa maybe. Okay. I bet it would need a lot of repairs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not uh, I bet most of the streets are cobblestone. Yep. Yeah. I imagine the stand-up comedy scene is not thriving in nowhere, Italy. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I bet it's, like, pretty much happening in Milan, Rome, and that's it. I'm curious if it's even happening there. I mean, you know, sometime this year, Netflix put out a comedy special of an Italian comedian. Oh. And it was like, eh. I mean. I was like reading the subtitles like, oh, I feel like I'm watching just any comic at the improv. Just anyone talk. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, even in Italian, within the first 10 minutes, they talked about cancel culture. Were they saying it was ruining comedy? Yes, they like, were. That's a hot take. Wow. Yeah, that's brave. Okay, Bella, I say. <laughs> Just, you know, come out with it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, how should we... You have a long history of producing shows sure at houses. Um, is there, are those days behind you? Um, I. <sighs> it's so tough because there's the intimacy of a house show sure. and the individualism of it. What do you mean by individualism? Just, uh, you know, if you have a show at the improv, mm-hmm. even I have a show at the improv that's right. very much curated, Yes. but it's still just another show at the improv. Right. Not that the improv doesn't have phenomenal shows, but you're just one of many shows. Right. But only me and Amy Silverberg had a show at that witchy house on the corner on right. the hill in Silver right. Lake. and. Only me and Alana had a show at Brad Pitt's old house. Right. There's all this branding that goes along with having it in a unique venue. Sure. And it, it draw everyone who comes has to know about it somehow. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, I was going to the club on Thursday and ended up at your show. I mean, there is more heavy lifting. There is. Yeah. And a lot of losing money. Yeah. I lost a lot of money on backyard shows. Yeah. I mean, that's... So, a club, while you... I mean, that's the trade-off, right? Yeah. You get less control, but you won't lose money. But, you know, the improv with our show that me and Gina B. Jones started together, uh-huh. the improv has been very hands-off. Uh, yeah, as they should be. Yeah. In general. Also, your show, The Improv, is monthly, yes? Uh, it's maybe every three months. Every three months called yeah. Hilarious Habibis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and what is the show? It is the first ever exclusively Middle Eastern and North African stand-up comedy show at the Hollywood Improv. Right. 
Uh, which is, for those not in the know, abbreviated sometimes as Mina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why not Manasa? Which you know, I've also heard before. There's also Swana. Have you heard of Swana? This is the first time I'm hearing Swana. Swana, I believe. Let me see if I even get this right. Southwest I, Asian, North African. Okay. And that would encompass, and I think eventually we're going to grow Hilarious Habibis to incorporate more of the Swana community, but that would include like Pakistan and right. India. And right. There's so many great comics from that region. It feels like a shame to lose I, out. You know what I always find funny in these specific conversations is that, um, this sort of subtle idea of the ownership of the word brown. Yeah. Because, um, yes. like, Mexican people think they're brown. Yeah. And Indian people think they're brown. And there are a lot of people all around the Middle East that think they're brown. And uh, also, none of those acronyms include me, who's Filipino, who's I also know. brown. I know. It's so tricky. Brown is such a tricky one. Because sometimes I say I'm brown and I feel like, an audience will look at me like, no, you're not. <laughs> and it's like, but I identify as brown. Right. So, and my skin's brown. I don't know. What What more do I need to call them? Oh, I just call them out for colorists. There you go. Yeah. We can identify however we want. But then I say that, but then I feel like. Then do you think of. Uh, a white person. Well, who were, who were you thinking of? Uh, the, that white lady who said she was black? Exactly. Yeah. Rachel Doljal. I didn't commit that name to my memory. I now remember it because Danny Jollis was trying to do a bit about Rachel Dolezal and how people misunderstood her, and he kept saying her name wrong. Oh. <laughs> and then I mentioned it to da Danny. I'm like, you know you were saying her name wrong. Again, do we need to commit it to our memory? I don't know her that well. Maybe she's a really good person and donates a lot of money to dolphins or something. I mean, she was raising two black children. Oh. That's very confusing. It's extremely confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shrugging. No one can see this, but I'm shrugging right now. <laughs> yeah, thank I look you like for, that emoji. Yeah, thanks yeah. for illustrating that Good. for the listeners. Now, I remember, um, all right, holding for Siren. Oh, what a lovely soundtrack. You know how they have those, like, uh, sort of white noise? I guess CDs, but nobody listens to those anymore. I just bought a white noise machine. Oh, there's white noise machines, of course. Yeah. yeah. Would love a Sound of L.A. one. Oh, wow. That would put you and me right to sleep. I actually remember in college there was a thing. I forgot. It was Somebody created this, like, weird online-only loop that had ambient music loops, and then they had a separate loop that would play right underneath that. There was just the um, police scanner. They had, like, a live stream of the police scanner. Oh, so you felt like you're in Blade Runner all the time. Oh, that, that seems very unsettling. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. You know? Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, oh, but the brown thing, what we were saying before, yeah. the reason we kind of started Habibis is because of this whole brown right. confusion, I guess, because um, it just felt like Middle Eastern is often the most overlooked diversity, I think. Sure. Oftentimes it's listed as Caucasian uh -huh. on sense on a census or on um, for the longest time the WGA didn't even really? recognize it as a diversity so when they were opening up diversity spots Middle Eastern wouldn't count mm. so it always felt like we were getting the short end of every stick like we were never able to fit in growing up and we had this weird immigrant outsider experience mm. but then nobody 
wanted to hear it, I guess. Right, right. So I saw a statistic that said 0.03% of the WGA is Middle Eastern writers, and I just sent it to Gina, and I was like, what What are we going to do? Right. And then we were very inspired by the facial recognition girls. Yes. Um, which is Pallavi and Fizza and uh, Zara. Zara. Yeah. And um, we saw oh, what they were doing. Welcome, Thank you very much. Oh, I love this street podcast. Yeah. That's also a very stylish person. Right. So I would, I would take that. I mean, this is what uh, Andrew Michon and his friend Cole do with podcasts, but outside. Really? They literally just podcast outside. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, they tour off of it. I love it. And, it, you know, it's almost better because, I mean, you're a non-creepy male. but Th- Thank you. But, but you know, you. I feel like whenever someone's like, come to my house, it's always like, ah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, no matter what the gender of the comedian is, whenever I've gone to a house, it feels very strange, <laughs> and I try to find one spot that I feel somewhat comfortable sitting in and never moving. Yeah, I do that too. I wonder what that is. Because it's, it's foreign territory. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems like even though things might be disheveled, it's like everything seems like it has its place. I'm allergic to cats, and I feel like everyone has a cat. Yeah, a lot of cats. A lot of cats in the comedy community. A lot of cats. Drop a dog, you know? That's what I'm here for. Right. A lot of cats. Anyhow, I mean, we could go on a whole tangent about cats. (laughs) I mean, we can pick that up later, but I I am am curious. Huh? I am pro cat. I'm just allergic. I'm pro pet, although I, I resign myself to never. Again, owning a pet because I live a life that wouldn't give the life of a dog or a cat or anything else. As a stand-up comedian, I think that's a very responsible choice to make. Yeah, yeah. But if you see Fizz out with her dog, she Uh, has a big husky, and it's so uh, adorable. What a good boy. He's a wolf. He's not even a dog. He's so good. But he's a cute wolf. Yeah, he's a great wolf. He's maybe bigger than her. Oh, it's so weird. I incidentally ended up going to Lisa Vanderpump's dog rescue, which is amazing. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, and that's where Fizza adopted oh. Oreo. Oh, I didn't even realize his name was Oreo. What a yeah. I did. I have met him, though. Yeah. Um, maybe if there's another facial recognition show, that, uh, that'll happen. But So, I wonder, what, how do you frame this in your mind? Because there was a point in time where... There were, like, shows that, I guess, somewhat well-intentioned tried to, like, balance some sort of diversity and inclusion scales, but then would be, like, Slanted Comedy or Refried Fridays. These are names of real shows. Wow. Um, and it's like, uh, all right, I mean, did who came up with this? Yeah, that, uh, that is so interesting. But I do feel like probably, because, you know, I've only been doing comedy for about six years, probably before, you probably had to lean into the things that felt familiar to audiences, uh-huh. and you probably had to be a caricature of whatever your race was. Right. And I feel like now that there's been this cool movement of mm-hmm. acceptance, you can get a little more nuanced, and that's the thing I love about Habibi so much is that I feel like most of the comics aren't doing terrorist jokes. They're not doing 9-11 jokes. They're doing stuff that's really authentic and unique to them. And every comic is so different, even Uh though we all have the same cultural background. Right. That you're essentially 
and correct me if I'm off, like standing on the shoulders of what is it, the Axis of Evil tour? Between yeah, that's like Maz and Dino Badala. Yeah. And like they had to do a certain sort of angelic comedy based off of their background for a while. And now you could have someone like Mecky Leaper be super weird. Yeah. And you can it's just kind of the way you know, it's like I still feel like with TV, diversity shows have to be Rami, and it has to be, I love Rami, don't get me wrong, but it has to be like, this is a cultural show about a culture, but I can't wait to get to the point where a Middle Eastern woman can be a serial killer taking acting classes, you know, and that's what I'm here for. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it does, it doesn't seem like it's greenlit because of that. Yeah. But I think we have to maybe overkill a little. Right. To eventually get to Have you seen Sort of? I haven't. So Sort of is about a non-binary, I believe, Indian person in Toronto. Oh, oh, I'm here for that. That is nannying a mixed, like a uh, racially mixed couple's kids. Okay, let's sell this so hard. What streaming platform? HBO. It's not even that. It's so easy to access. Yes, on season two. I was gonna say Peacock, and I was like, I'll never watch it. And it it is it is fascinating. Yeah. 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 Um, Peacock, don't not hire me. <laughs> Do you want to shout out some other streaming <laughs> services while you're at I it? I like all of them equally. Oh, yeah? yeah sure. Including Pluto TV, Tubi. I mean. What is IMDb one? Uh, IMDb's uh, Freebie, I believe. Uh, I would work for Freebie. <laughs> so I absolutely love Freebie. Go Freebie for life. Is there, would there be a name of a streaming service that would be so dumb that you're like, I can't. I can't abide this. I'm trying to look back. There were some weird ones. Mm-hmm. What, CISO? Yeah. But then a lot of great people got specials on yeah. it. That was pretty heartbreaking. And yeah. then Quibi really showed up and disappeared. Oh, boy, it so did. So fast. Do you remember Go90? <laughs> no. It was literally a promotion, I believe, with T-Mobile. And the reason it's called Go90 is they, they wanted to make vertically integrated content. Uh, so you would have to go 90 degrees to watch it on your phone. Oh, right, right, right. I think I heard about this. Yeah. What Which a... is my... one. Of, I hate that explanation for that name so much. You know what that feels like? That feels like those stand-up shows where people like come up with a gimmick just to have a gimmick. Oh, yeah. For their show. And it's like, you could have just done stand-up. Yeah. It would have been fine. Right. And for those out there wondering about, like, it, is your show unique enough? If you were to pitch it to a festival and it just ends up being mostly stand-up with one band, it's not unique. Yeah. Granted, I'm perpetually trying to scheme up the perfect gimmick show, and right. I haven't done it yet. Right. Gimmick shows are fun. I mean, I bet it would have to be something, because based off of just one bit that you do, everyone has to have a notepad. Oh my gosh, the giant notepad right. show. I don't know why I never even thought about yeah. this. And then you have to have Dimitri Martin on your first show. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yeah, me and him paving the way. Yeah. What's funny is I started doing that before I even, like, really got familiar with his work. And then I was like, oh, he's doing this just so much better. Right. Not to tip the cap too much, but for the listeners who haven't gotten the uh, gracious opportunity to see you, what is this notepad bit we're referencing? I have a bit about how there are four types of men in the world. Mm-hmm. And to help illustrate it i use a giant notepad that i carry around with me like my life's burden right and i flip the pages one time the notepad fell off the stage and into the audience at the brad pitt show right 
I will be carrying it around. It's, right. I mean, that's definitely going in the special. That's yeah. going in the half yes, hour. Yes, it is. Yeah. Are you going to get a fancier, big, giant notepad? No, I think I'm keeping this one. Wow. Uh, until a CISO or Fiverr or, yeah. like, Glitchy is like, nope. Kudos to you, by the way. Audio. A lot of people who use, like, notepads or giant notepads or some sort of, like, paper-based prop for a bit, um, they usually don't reuse. They usually tear it up. Oh. You know what I mean? If you knew how many markers I went through <laughs> to make that. Mm -hmm. I, I did full bubble letters and colored it in with a giant marker, and it was multiple markers and multiple trips to Staples because I kept being like, oh, this will be enough marker. Right, right. It maybe was not my most um, environmentally conscious project. Sure. Again, it's the burden I must bear. It's the burden you must bear. Now I'm, th I'm now I'm thinking like season two of uh, White Lotus just started. And I want to apply oh, the four types of men to every man in that show because the whole this season's all about sexual politics. Oh, I haven't seen it yet, so don't don't spoil it. For <sighs> me. I'm not gonna spoil I anything. Can't wait. It's great. Yep, I know. I it's know. the first season was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this one's weirdly. I mean, they barely, I don't think there's any mention of race, really. But it is spicier because it is, I mean, literally about sexual politics. And it's in Italy. It's in Sicily, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. From scratch, did you watch that? I did not watch from you scratch. You know what? Don't. Okay. I'm very angry I watched it because well, I thought it was going to be romantic and then it was very sad. What happened? Did, can I, do you want me to spoil sure. it? Basically, falls in love with an Italian man. Uh -huh. He gets cancer, and then the whole show. Oh, the Zoe Saldana one. Yes. Yes. That looked super cheesy. Uh, it was, but it was also very beautiful. Sure. Um, and she's so great. Mm -hmm. But I, I just, I watched the first episode, and I was like, ooh, a rom-com. And then I watched, like, the second one, and I was like, this is sad, but I can't stop watching. So I was just angry the whole time. Yeah, I mean, there is perhaps a growing subgenre of this, like, all right, first half is rom-com, second half is, like, a walk to remember. Yeah. I mean, in its defense, it was based on a real story, and... Right. There was some really interesting racial stuff that was, like we were saying before, actually really nuanced. Right. So there's this interesting comparison of the way Sicilians are treated to Italians versus, like, her black American experience. And I felt her Growing relationship up in with her family was very cool. Right. But I do not need to watch that many doctor's appointments on TV. I'm good. Yeah, I hear that. There is, I will say, right... I think it was Chemical Hearts. Somebody, a close friend of mine, told me to watch. So, I, I mean, all those things are meant, I think, as like hangover cures for a breakup. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I feel like From Scratch would be the perfect thing to watch while you have like symptomless COVID. Sure. You're just like trapped inside and need to like wallow. Oh, I would just watch uh, Couples Therapy on Showtime. Okay. Yeah, that's probably. Because it's real. Yeah. It's actually real. I mean, based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot... Of, I Most of these, like, drama-heavy dramedies are based on a true story. Yeah. Especially when cancer's involved. Yeah. Like, what was it? Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl? Wasn't that based on a true oh, story? Oh, yeah. I, I watched that, too. And that was, like... I was crying on a plane. Mm-hmm. 
was like, why am I crying on a plane? Yeah. That was really well done. Based on a book? It was definitely based on a book. Everything's based on something. My four types of dude bit is based on four dudes. Yeah, of course they are. (laughs) Of course they are. Everything. Have you ever gotten blowback with that? Where, like, Um, a guy came up to you after the show and you're like, oh, I'm, excuse me. Uh, several men have been like, none of these relate it to me. Sure. And I was like, fine, this is, like, made up. (laughs) (laughs) About nothing, so I'm sorry it didn't speak to you. Uh Uh-huh. Um, a black woman told me that it was about white men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so interesting uh-huh. because all the dudes it is based on are white men. And I right. was like, how perceptive that she like was able to like clock that right away. Right. And then I was like, okay, maybe I need to change this bit to their four types of white men. But then when you do that, you get pigeonholed into the, you know, the straight white male thing right. that now is being called overwrought, I guess. Right. But I still think it's a conversation worth having. Sure. I mean, this is an interesting thing I've been noticing in specials as of late, which I think is a positive, um, is that male heterosis comedians, when not, not even nearly all of them, but sometimes before going into a bit about relationships, they'll preface, oh, this is like totally hetero and sorry. Like I, I know it's. I know this isn't gonna include gay people, and I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend that I know. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I, I love to hear a white man apologize for being a white man. I'm always here for that. Right, but it also, I mean, I think it supports your like the idea of having a conversation that there is, there is different dynamics of relationships based on racial dynamics as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because primarily, I mean, the world I grew up in was very white. And that's why, again, Habibi's has been so meaningful to me because I did not have brown friends growing up. I only had, like, the brown people in my immediately immediate community, which are, like, lawyers, doctors. And you grew up where on the East Coast? Uh, New Jersey, a New- very white town called Summit, New Jersey. Okay. Where now How close is that to Fairlawn, where my roommate lived? I have no idea where Farallon is, but I cool. know you don't like your New Jersey room. <laughs> yeah. I'm not responsible for anything your New Jersey roommate did. No, you're not. I just find it very funny that someone who does not, has no inclination to move back there reps Jersey so hard. Yeah, I, I love, hate New Jersey. Sure. And I feel like that's how everyone should feel about New Jersey. And if you feel any differently probably something a little off (laughs) yeah because there's so much to love like you're by the beach you're by beautiful greenery you're by the city there's a lot to offer but then the people are just like a certain brand of awful (laughs) i don't know what it is right yeah they're they're a way to fit that into the nickname the garden state i'll i'll work on it (laughs) you work on it create a notepad presentation great Back you really you. should do this notepad show. You know what? I, now that you say it, I didn't even like know this was my whole thing, and now I'm like, maybe this is my whole thing. There you go. I'll watch some Dimitri Martin until I get inspired. So at this point in time, how are you feeling about putting on a show like Hilarious Habibis, and how has the reception been? 
The reception has been so exciting because when we started, it was literally just our friends, yeah. which is great. That's how all shows usually yeah, yeah. are. Right. But then slowly something has happened where it's like our friends are showing up, maybe not as much, but then this Arab audience is finding us. And through it, I've met so many Arabs, and it's been, like, incredibly healing for me as someone who grew up in a white community hating that I was Middle Eastern. Because I, like, September 11th happened during my formative years, and I lived in a commuter town to New York City, so people I went to high school with, their parents, like, died in those towns. It was a very bleak time. And then, so I was... I was probably Islamophobic, but at the same time, I felt like I was the victim and the enemy at the same time. Sure. So I had this very weird racial growing up. I didn't tell people I was Middle Eastern. So now to like advertise it, I feel like is so healing and oh. incredible. Right. And then to have this community of people who had similar experiences and we can relate to each other and talk to each other. Right. It's, it's so wonderful because we're like one of the smallest minorities and we don't often find ourselves in similar work environments or similar living environments and it's it's been really cool we've had like potlucks yeah and we've gotten involved with other communities here we went just we went to a friend's giving me and gina hosted by between east which is an organization that promotes arab women across different industries they just posted about an arab woman who is an astronaut yeah and we went to this party and it was all these just like accomplished hot arabs and we thought it was gonna be like nerdy and it was gonna be like our parents dinner right and we were gonna be awkwardly eating grape leaves but it was so cool and it's like you were you were in an episode of rami oh my gosh i walked in and i go gina are we in an episode of rami (laughs) you had that exact same (laughs) that's so funny yeah yeah very cool so it's been great that's a that's amazing and how how do you feel like the tenor of the times is resonating with you given everything that's happening in the middle east and then like how the middle east is being seen between the world cup and how controversial that is and being in Qatar and a, an inevitable revolution that's brewing in iran and i mean Name a million things. It's wild. Yeah. It's also wild because, so my family's Syrian. Syria is mm-hmm. not on the news anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not resolved. No, it's, it's not. It's still a terrible situation there. My family that's still there, very little family left. They're not living in good conditions. Right. It's poor. Everyone's sad. There's bad health care. And then uh, Turkey's shadow hangs uh, very heavy over it, and right? And then just I feel like Russia is just looming over the whole world. Sure right now like what will it do next but I feel like with Iran this one was really exciting for me and Gina to hop on because it feels like a cause that is so important because it's women's rights right and it's I mean women's rights are human's rights but it's so similar to Roe versus Wade that happened earlier this year and it's like we were shouting at the top of our lungs for that and then it feels like Iran, these women, like an abortion, that's like not even, like they can't even dance publicly. They can't, you know. Or go anywhere without a man. Or, you know, talk into a microphone like I do every night. Right. And it just, um, I feel, it feels like that we have this opportunity. We have to speak up for them. Right. 
Absolutely, because they, they cannot. Or, I mean, they do, but at the risk of their own lives. Where you're just, like, doing a show. Yeah. Really epic yeah. improv. Uh, I do want to say one thing, just in case anyone is listening and anyone learns anything from this. Because the one thing that was really hard for me when all this Iran stuff started coming out is the Islamic regime in Iran is not the same thing as Islam. Right. Islam is not evil. No, it's not. The Islamic regime is deeply problematic. Yes. And they're two separate entities. It is a small extremist group. Mm-hmm. And just this can't be like... There, there was something very triggering when it first started coming out, especially seeing like white people be like, the Islamic regime, the Islamic regime. And I'm like, do they know that that's not the same thing as the religion of Islam? Yeah. But so I just, I feel like I need to say that right. and put it into the ether. I think tangential to that, it's sad and truly ironic that in Iran, they call them themselves with the um, Iranian Republic. And in China, they call themselves the People's Republic of China. And, like, it doesn't really feel very (laughs) representative of people. The Middle East wants to appear like it's this democracy, but it's one of those things where if you vote for the wrong person... Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, maybe you have a better insight than me. Like, um, the Prince of Saudi Arabia, MBS... uh, like he wants to have Saudi Arabia seem like, oh, we're we're like a Western country now. Yeah. But, I mean, there's so much shady business that it's like, ah, what's going on here? It, it's so hard. It's just, I mean, me and Gina were talking about this, and she was like, you know, when I first came up with the idea for this, mm-hmm. Gina came up with the idea of doing a fundraiser for Iran, which brilliant and i'm so happy to be a part of which is uh, I, let's take time to plug that probably yes yeah hilarious the bb's is raising money for what i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation because <laughs> i'm not iranian yeah uh but it is the abdur ahman borman center for human rights they're on instagram as at iran rights and they have been just their content is so digestible and it makes understanding the situation really easy and I would say follow them if you're gonna support anyone they seem to be very um, legitimate and um, they you can't really send money to Iran right now because of the way the government is blocking things so this money is really going to them to help amplify and be the voice of Iran in the West so that the world doesn't forget or like you know is happening with Syria or Haiti or Myanmar, or Ethiopia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, they, they said that in back a couple. I don't. I don't remember how many years ago, but there were three men who protested for um, gas prices, and they were basically sentenced to execution. But then people got so loud about it on social media, their punishment was. Um, reduced to just a five-year prison sentence so they're like this works like as much as people like to be like oh slacktivism and like posting a graphic online doesn't do anything we see with like blm it kind of did yeah and do you know who ai weiwei is yes ai weiwei i think probably was put in house arrest versus like locked away in some distant prison in china 
because he was so famous online that like all the world's eyes were looking at him and China really couldn't couldn't do that. It yeah. would just look so bad. Yeah, all these Middle Eastern comics like Basim Yusuf and like Maz, it's like they're so brave to be doing what they're doing on such I'm afraid of ever becoming right. too well known on the internet because of the Middle Eastern government and like when are they going to find this podcast and come after me Right. I'm afraid to go to Syria because they I mean it's just, it's just a scary time and place yeah absolutely Yeah. I that reminds me um, one of the I, I do like a tour through the LA comedy scene and the first person to book me put on secret metal metal shows in the Middle East. What? Yeah. And like but that was the thing is like he had to do it in secret. I know. Like they're all like literally they pitch tents in the middle of the desert and they just like message people I guess on what signal or something and then everyone shows up and then before the uh Fun police literally come along. There's, there's I, a running I just have group. To mention, there's like an actual race. A running going group. Past us. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, one other interesting tidbit I found when mm -hmm. I was doing research is that The Handmaiden's Tale, mm -hmm. Gilead was based on the revolution from, I want to say, 1978 to 1979 in Iran when yeah, yeah. the Islamic regime first took over and, like, basically enforced all these rules yeah and that's absolutely. what it's inspired it yeah i remember watching the trailer for it because i haven't read the book i'm like it horrified at what i was seeing that you know it was going to be on hulu i'm like has this ever had oh yeah it has and that's what yeah. it was yeah yeah do you know jahan severe i do she has a fantastic joke about the handmaiden's tale oh yeah and she basically is like so many white women watched it and were like what what if this happened to us? And she's like, this did happen. Yeah. It happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is such a brilliant joke. I don't know if it's bad to repeat a comics joke on I mean, you, you you cited your sources. She's, I'm, follow her. Uh-huh. Be her biggest fan. <laughs> That's, I'm just plugging her because she rules. Right. She's so funny. Right. I also, I'm pretty sure I've seen this clip online, so I'm right. not just... right. I mean, it. you did. I, I mean, if, uh, objectively, you have not stolen it. Okay, great, great, great. Right. Right. And I think, I mean, you're presenting it in a positive context as opposed to, like, doing, like, some pull quotes to um, make it feel like there's something problematic with it. No, she's so funny and could not support her enough. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a thing? Have you... So when you go to book Hilarious Abibis... There's not, I mean, I mean, do you come to a point where you're like, oh, I've ran out of people to book? We haven't gotten there yet. This is only our fifth show. Sure. And uh, it's funny, all the people that have come out of the woodwork, there are so many Arab comedians I didn't know existed. The first few ones mostly been our friends, people we know, sure. and then a big headliner. And then slowly we're discovering more and more of them. I do think eventually we'll start to run a little bit thinner but we don't mind bringing people back sure. and um like we said we're probably going to expand it to swana right and not just mina right and then get up our facial recognition girls and yeah yeah just see how it grows from there right yeah sweet yeah 
Yeah. Maybe eventually it will include our Filipino friends too. <laughs> oh yeah, the brown people of Asia. Yeah, you know, you never, you never know where it might. Go. I mean, as Asia goes, I mean, every country that isn't Korea, China, or Japan is looked down upon. Because uh, they they that think of themselves. Yeah, they think of themselves as the the king shit. Isn't it wild how every race? I guess Ali Wong does jokes that everyone, but like every race is like racist against yeah just another race i think it was a joke from her first special about yeah. how like her and her husband got to be racist together i mean it's like you want to be like oh this race is good because they've been a prep but it's like all we're all that's what we need to get to this like nuanced place where we're all villains we're all heroes yeah we're all everything in between right. yeah. and <laughs> How is hilarious that BB's going to get us there? <laughs> you know, we're just going to make sure that more and more Middle Eastern comics get in front of industry, hopefully, and right. get seen and help each other out. And one day we'll all create shows and cast each other and sure. staff each other. And uh-huh. there will be more than just one Rami. There will be a right. hundred Ramis. Do you feel like you have to navigate with that in mind? People that are Mina that are like, no, I don't think they're that funny. Uh, they don't think other Mina comics are funny? No, like like when you're booking your show, like, okay, this person's from this country, or like they, they have a background, they, you know, their parents are from that country, but I don't think they're that funny. The thing that's funny is pretty much we've found most Arab comics because the barrier to entry when you're Arab is so high most of them are pretty funny sure because you have to give up so much and you have to risk so much right because your parents are not rooting for you to do this and nobody's rooting for you to do this so I feel like there's like this level that's just a little higher and then if there's someone who you know sometimes their comics were like oh they're a little green but We'll wait, and in a year, we'll book them. Right. Yeah, if they're still, you know, actively pursuing it. Cool. I I always wonder about that because I'm, I feel like there has been have been shows where sort of the point of it is to include a certain marginalized group. Yeah. But in them going on for a certain period of time, they'll, like, probably book somebody they wouldn't had they not had that sort of premise of the show yeah 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 that is interesting but then also maybe better to give more people because the more stage time you get the better you get right i mean that's the idea it's not always the case it's it's mostly the case like 95 percent of the time if you work really hard Uh uh-huh you'll get better yeah Although there's that, you know, there's that one percent at the open mic who you've been seeing the whole time, and you're like, you've you, never gotten better. You you know, uh, you know, what I like to call those comics. What? Ghosts of Christmas Comedy Future. Oh wow! If you don't listen and try to change your act, you will become this. Oh, that's that's a good lesson. It's yeah. a good chip to keep on your shoulder. Yeah. And also, I I think I've said this on the pod before. I like doing open mics is daunting. That's kind of part and parcel of it. But I will say that even if you're not getting laughs, no one is like like 
seething mad at you for being bad if you're bad nice. at a mic. Yeah. Yeah, you just want it. They want to see growth and work. Yeah. You know? Also, nobody's going to pay attention to you or remember you until you start to get kind of good. Yeah. So the beginning stages are the best time to right. just, like, bomb, bomb, bomb away. Yeah. Like, the dumbest idea you have, do it. Do it. Do now it. I feel like I, I put pressure on myself because I'm like, oh, all these people know me. Yeah, and you have an idea of how your comedy works. Yeah. yeah. But then it's like, oh, I don't want them. I don't want to do bad jokes in front of these people. Right. But then it's like, you're never going to get better if you're trying to crush every set. No. But, you know, even though we're saying that now, people fall victim to that chase so often, so easily. I mean, I get it. It feels good to do your old material and have it And just, like, kill. And and everyone's like, you're great. And it feels bad to do new material and have it bomb. And everyone's like, ah. Yeah. Good try, kid. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm I'm not not immune to it. There, like, I, I have very nuanced versions of it where it's like, I I wanted this particular person to see me do well because I feel like every time they see you, you do badly. No, they I because well, specifically for me, I always wonder whether I should be doing comedy or not because I write about it, yeah. and like somehow with certain people that write about comedy that disqualifies me from being a critic and then like I spend so much time writing about comedy I can't put a certain amount of focus that's probably necessary to doing stand up yeah but I don't want to really give up either so I don't think you should I don't want to I think you to. should do both I think you should do what you love and what yeah. makes you happy and I think it's very um silly to put anyone in one box people really hate it when you do two things if you do three things people hate it i remember when i started uh i i used to be a competitive weightlifter oh hell yeah and you never talked about this on stage lynn i did for a little bit but it was i feel like it was pre-pandemic when i was like I'm going to toot my own horn having a rockin' bod and I feel like nobody when you're doing stand-up comedy at open mics wants to hear about your rockin' bod right but I, I I worked at a gym I do a lot of material about working at a gym but I remember when I started doing that everyone was like my friends like hated it they were like but you can't do that you've always written poems how can you like yeah. lift weights you're a person who writes poems and then when I started doing comedy people are like but you're a person who lifts weights right you can't do con it's like people can do whatever we can have yeah. multiple interests and passions absolutely it just makes you more interesting right agreed so I say keep doing it all uh, that's what I am intending to do yeah yeah you want to do some comedy news yeah sure <laughs> great I'm glad you're so enthused listen to I believe this is Mingus do you know what I'll Char- say is the most LA thing about this that nobody's like even like looked to see why I'm holding a microphone no if anything there a was a person who commented my outfit rather than they yeah. were doing a podcast yeah this is totally normal here yeah absolutely. we should try this like in Indiana sometime sure yeah. I'd be down for that well, yeah, we'll do the comedy attic in Bloomington. Great, perfect. 
and uh, we'll do this. All right. We were talking about this just pre-pod, so that I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. May Martin announces a upcoming hour comedy special that will be exclusive to Netflix, directed by Abby Jacobson. Uh, big fan of Rod City. Yes. yes. And did you like the new A League of Their Own? You know what? I watched... Okay, so here's the thing. I'm Ooh, very okay. anti-Amazon. She's very but, but fair. Again, same, same, I would same. Still, if Amazon wants to hire me, I would gladly work for Amazon. Sure. But, so I don't have Amazon Prime. It's like my big rebellion. Sure. But I refuse to put money in Jeff Bezos' pocket. So I got a free trial uh-huh. for like a week. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to binge the whole thing. But I only got to the first episode. But I really liked it, and the showrunner on the show I'm working for now is a writer on it, right. and I could like hear her humor in it. So yeah. I will keep watching it, but right. I don't know how to do it without putting money in Jeff Bezos. It's worth stealing somebody's password. That might be the trick. My my roommate has Amazon Prime, and that's how I watch it. Or I get screeners. Oh, you get screeners. Yeah, because I write about yeah, comedy. So that I yeah. But yes, I want to finish it. That's high on the list. Yeah. Uh, so May Martin, uh, I guess now there are, I don't th- I don't know that they're American yet, but they came from Canada. Um, there was a show, I think it was, it's gone two seasons on Netflix. Not quite sure. Maybe three. Um, anyways, uh, people really loved it. It's a sort of. Uh, dramedy f- trying to find yourself in life uh, see, I mean this is this era's version of Seinfeld if, if your show is about your life as a comedian it's much more nuanced and it feels like more like an episode of WTF than like jokes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, everyone I talk to I so many people are like, oh, you're a comedian? Do you know Mae Martin? I love Mae Martin. I'm going to go see Mae Martin. And I'm like, this Mae Martin is really taking the city by storm. Uh, yes. Mae Martin has. Mae Martin has played everywhere from Largo yep. to Dynasty Typewriter to they're about to play the Elysian next month. Um, How they, hard do you think it would be to get Mae Martin on like a backyard show in Silver Lake? Considering that they're about to do an hour special, probably not. Okay. Very hard. Because I feel like Mae Martin would have been like perfect Wolf Den headliner. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Mae's getting up kind of wherever. Wow. Okay. I, I, I was about to say that they played a, uh, the Buck Mason down the street. Okay. I'll have to make like an extra effort to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's that's exciting news for the uh, pipeline of Netflix specials. Has Abby directed stand-up comedy specials before? Or is I this don't believe so. I think this is a, this is a first. That's really cool. I, I'd be interested to see if she puts a stamp on it because there is a certain way to do a comedy special that's kind of like you turn some cameras on and then that's it. There's a new guy in the scene I met, and he directs comedy specials, and he's a comedian. Have you met him? His name's Chris. Chris what? I want to say his last name's like M-E-R-C. Uh-huh. I don't know. He's in the scene, and he's like, I've been directing these like big specials, and now I'm trying it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's kind of like a I mean, program. Uh, yeah, a little bit. There, There's a few of those people. Not a lot. 
But yeah, I mean they're they're yeah two way players. Yeah, maybe yeah. Abby will have a special soon. Who knows? I'd be I'd be interested to see that, especially. Oof. Did you watch Alana Glazer's Amazon I special? Did. Ooh, yeah, that's you said all that needs to be said. I love Alana Glazer so much. Yep, we do. We uh, we love Alana. I I do think she was given a disadvantage though. I do think trying to start comedy when people stand-up comedy when people already like you is a huge disadvantage. Right. Right. Because they gotta hate you for a while. Right. As you like get those specific sea legs, or it should have been framed like. Remember when Kevin Smith wasn't framing it as stand-up or live con? It was just like a conversation. Or an evening with Kevin Smith. That's what it was called. And so there's a little more latitude that you afford yourself yeah. because you're like, well, I'm not calling it stand-up. I'm just like, I'm telling stories, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so, especially if you couched it, I mean, literally couched it. If Alana was like seated with someone and then just chatting and then there were sketches in between that could I mean, count there's yeah. no doubt she's one of the funniest women sure imaginable and Broad City I feel like was such a game changing show yeah it's still one of my points of pride to this day I right before Broad City like premiered as a series I I uh, passed um, I passed them in Larchmont they were eating at the Italian restaurant in Larchmont Aww. And, like, um, I, uh, they were meeting with their manager, who I knew, and the manager said hi and introduced me to them. And Alana said to me, ooh, if I was a, if I was a hot lesbian, I'd dress exactly like you. That is the best compliment. Yeah. Imaginable. And the fact that it came from her, mm-hmm. that's winning the lottery. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, have you peeped? Oh my god! I hope not. That was I like hope not that was like six years ago. That's. I mean, if that happened to me, I'd be like, "Well, that's going on my bio, and I'm just going to retire now. <laughs> Good to go." You yeah. should really consider that. Some bio someday when you have to do something funny, put that on it. Right. I will. All right. Next item of news: uh, iHeart Media, not iHeart Radio. They are launching a new slate of original comedy podcasts, which include a um, recap breakdown of Curb Your Enthusiasm um, and even a show uh, from Eric Andre about bombing, which will be interesting. Um, About what kind of bombing? Um... He's going to, it's literally called Bombing with Eric Andre, and it's not going to just be comedians. It'll be musicians and artists. Like comedi- like bombing in an artistic way? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That we've already, we already just did his podcast. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, that'll be fascinating because Eric has, like, really flirted with, like, legal trouble in this regard. I remember, like, he almost got in a huge amount of trouble when he like threw a chair off a stage at a show and it hit somebody. Um, I think everything ended up being okay, but yeah. His career seems to be doing. Oh, his career's doing. Pretty well. Pretty, pretty well. Um, 
Amber and her sister Lacey Ruffin will be having a podcast on iHeartMedia um, that will essentially feel like a late night show, which Amber Ruffin already has. They'll have celebrity guests, comedic games, and then they will be playfully bickering with each other. Jason Alexander will have a show um, where he'll be joined by experts, newsmakers, and celebrities to answer life's most uh, baffling questions. That's what the description says. I mean, can we get more specific with these uh, podcasts? Yeah, it's really... Yeah. Um, I hate to be this person who's on a podcast. I don't really listen to podcasts. I mean, I... I, I get it. Do you? Is there a reason why? I'm not a good listener. I'm a good reader. Okay. So I can read a lot, but for some reason, and I don't, people always tell me like when they read, they find themselves zoning out. That never happens to me. But if I listen to something, uh-huh. I just can't right. pay attention. My brain doesn't right. absorb info that way. Yeah. How about you're at a storytelling show. Somebody's reading a story versus telling a story. It's so hard for me to pay attention in that. I feel like a stand-up because they're performing it. Yeah. I can get it. And, like, when I watch TV, I can get it. But something about just listening, my brain, like, immediately just tunes it out. I There is a, it's an uncanny thing. When somebody's reading a story, it's very hard to focus. But then when they're telling it like they're at a bar, easy. I don't know what it is. All of our brains just, like... I mean, I know there are people who are sensory learners versus audio Well, I think there's even, like, an eye contact thing. Because you're, like, reading paper and not looking at the audience. I found even with stand-up, if I sit in the front, I have a much more enjoyable experience than if I'm in the back. In the back, I find my mind will start to wander. Yeah, well, you can't wander in the front. Yeah. Because you're, like, effectively part part of it. You're part of the show now. Ideally, if I'm going to go watch stand-up, like, not as a stand-up comedian, just to really watch, I want to be in the maybe the second row because I don't want to be talked to. Um, I have, uh, I I used to listen to, like, 20, 30 podcasts a week. And then I still am on this, like, ongoing sabbatical. Well, originally it happened when lockdown happened. Um, because I just wanted to listen to sad music. That's all I want to do. That's the only yeah, thing I want to hear. Serve that. Yeah, that's expanded to mostly just music now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really need to get on. <laughs> like, listen, there's like podcasts I've been sent for years, literally now, that I just haven't listened to. There's so to. much content. There's so much content. Like, I do my best to keep up with so much of it. I know, especially because it's like kind of your whole. Is yeah. to keep up with it. Yeah, there's so much about the MCU and Star Wars that I know that I don't care to know. Pick and choose your battles. You it, don't have to be, like, the arbiter of everything. No, but I do like knowing. Yeah. 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 I do like knowing quite a bit. I used to be obsessed with this New York Times theater critic mm-hmm. named Gosh, I don't even know. Ben Bradley, I think his name was. Uh-huh. And I used to be so impressed by how all his articles are so referential and, like, mm-hmm. how he described things in terms of other things. And I was like, he just knows it. He's a theater critic, but he has to know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of yeah your plight. It's yeah. your large notepad. It's my large notepad. Uh, when I had Paul Ravenza on this podcast, 
I hung out with him. I've become friends with him. And I actually co-produce shows with him. Um, he has said to me that sometimes he thinks I know more about jazz than I do comedy. I think you need that. <laughs> yeah. I think you need that. I think you need to, like, in the same way I need to, like, competitively lift weights sometimes. Right. I think you need something that's, like, not at all the thing you're doing. Yeah. But I think there is part of my personality where I love diving into a level of like being a casual expert on whatever it is so like whether and a lot of it's taste based like I love getting into that with music and fashion and movies and art and like um, astrophysics I mean knowing that astrophysics could only make you a better comic too yeah so. I I try to I ugh, there's so much exposition you gotta do for to do jokes about that that I did one and there's just like a lot of silence to try to explain something. I know. Yeah. I know. And then uh, depending on whether the audience likes you or not, the payoff may or may not be worth it. But the last time I tried to do an astrophysics joke on stage, the person who followed me were like was they commented, "I'm dumb." Like I I the last person who was talking about astrophysics. And I, I mean, he's smart. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they don't want you to be smart in comedy, which no. has been a tricky field to navigate because right. I feel like I'm a comedian who came in from a very literary background. Sure. And there's, there's, I'm not the only one. No. But I know that's a thing to navigate is that it's like sometimes you have to go with the easier thing and you, ha- you don't need to dumb it down, but it's it can't be so... Petty. There's a way about it. I mean, there's... I will say this. Greg, Greg Proops and Jimmy Pardo, they sling references like nobody's business and in a way that, like, even if you know what they all are, they they say them so fast. Um, it's more about, like, the musicality of it. Yeah. Than actually knowing what um, any of those things mean. Since stand-up's so interesting because I'm like, okay, I'm this literary comic, but then sometimes I'll see someone who will just have the dirtiest, grimiest set, and it will be so funny. Right. It's like, you know what I find what works with that is that they're genuine about it. Yeah, and that's their voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Nikki Glaser is genuinely that dirty. Yeah. Or someone like Annie Letterman. Yeah. Like, I... I couldn't be a more different comic than her, and I think she is so funny. Right. She's filthy. Yeah. But She's like a bro. But that's really Annie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about Santa. People are always like, I have to be more like this person, or I have to be. It's like, no, you have to find out your truest you. Wait, is the female version of a bro just someone who, a woman who, like, only owns everything in leopard print? I don't know. Annie owns a lot of leopard print. I own a lot of leopard print. Maybe that's where we yeah. unite. Yeah. Also that I think she's incredibly talented and yes. funny. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And nice. She did Wolf Den. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I feel like when Annie was coming up, she would play, in, like, and lived in New York. She would play a lot of indie rooms, but I think because of just opportunity and not even style, she, like, plays clubs a lot. She's a regular at the store. She's so sellable, I feel like. Yeah, she's and then that's just, it's not like... Sometimes I feel like these lines are drawn in the sand and continue to be perpetuated when they don't really exist. Yeah. You know? Like, I think a mutual good friend of ours, Alex Hanna. Oh. Uh, Alex, so what funny. A dream boat. He used to we never even, Alex like, he, 
think about playing the store. It just he gets no, stage he's time. A super and, like indie hipster alt. That's how I always thought about. Yeah, it. and his sense of humor is still the same. Yeah. But he just is a door guy at the store. He gets stage time at the store. I know. He's he's really crushing it. Every day I'm like, should I throw away my TV career and work at the store? No. Yeah, I know. You don't need it. I know. Wait for Emily to ask you to do spots. Yeah, yeah, that is the true thing to do. Wait, yeah. wait for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, last item of news that I'll mention. Okay. Um, Jay Leno... After surviving... Emerson College graduate. Yeah. Me and Jay. You and Jay? Yeah, same year. Oh, you... (laughs) Wait, you have a secret, like, uh, wardrobe of denim that you just fawn over? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in our cars. In cars? cars, Right. Well, I mean, that's what, you know, he had... While fixing a car, there was an accident where he suffered some pretty severe burns, but he survived, made a full recovery, and is already back on stage. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, did he have to get, like, reconstructive? Uh, I don't. I don't think it got that far, but uh, I'm assuming some cosmetic surgery is going to be done at some point. Well, glad to hear he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll be. I mean, that's a real sign that things are kind of back, back. That uh, Jay, um, his uh, home club effe- effectively is the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. I still haven't been there. It is another planet. Yeah. I mean, it's so remote, even if you live on the west side. I mean, the people, you know, the crazy thing is, it's always packed. Yeah. Because the people that live there go. And it's so well curated and booked by um, Rich that. Uh, Good comics. I always yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, everyone is, their expectations of the club get met every night. There's not a lot. Like, people don't even think about who they're going to watch. Yeah. You know? It's like the don't tell thing. It's just they know it's going to be good. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is, my God. It's like, what, 60 cities? They are so incredible. Every once in a while, like, with my shows, because my shows have been really successful, I'm like, should I do this? Should I just be a person who runs shows? And then I'm like, I don't don't want, like, a business accountant. (laughs) Right. I can't. I can't manage that. That seems so much work. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, look how it's paid off. It's right. giving spots to people all over the country. Yeah, of all kinds. It's... Now that they're doing the tape sets, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. And they look good. They do look good. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's been you know people are commenting that like. Well, people watch those clips more than like somebody's special or a late night set. And that's actually not a new thing. Yeah, that's like those Comedy Central. Yeah, uh, or like I remember minutes. when This Is Not Happening was a series. People would watch that more than your half hour. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want a half hour. I want like a nice seven minute. On A seven minute on what? On like an internet platform. Sure. Something like a Don't Tell or a Comedy Central. That's my, my big dream to get something like that because mm-hmm. I don't think I'm funny for an hour. But mm-hmm. I feel like. If I got something like that or a late night, I feel like... Your, your notepad bit does seven minutes. That's It's ten minutes. It's ten minutes. It's ten. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Because you need to do a joke before you do that bit. Otherwise, people don't like it. <laughs> you have to warm them up a little and get them on your side and sure. then start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, boy, doing that set and bombing for ten minutes straight is wow, wow. Oh, man. And you didn't bail at all? No, when you're in it, you're just in it. You didn't comment on, like, oh, you guys hate this. 
I'm not usually a person to do that. I usually just am like, I'm gonna truck through and... I feel like you're never bombing as hard as you think you're bombing. I bet that's a case-by-case -case basis. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. Yeah. to the wrong because usually I'm like okay what room is going to like this right. hipster indie right. and then sometimes I'll bring it somewhere and they'll put me up either like too early in the lineup it's not good you can't open with that bit right so right this is not interesting for your viewers yeah listeners listeners no it is okay no they want to know that like it's so funny to say this because there's a literal network called this but it, they love all things comedy, comedy. And they uh, the more minutia based it is, the like I mean, people love that. Yeah. You know. It's like hacks. What we were talking about, like mm -hmm. people want to see. Right. Or the show reboot. I was like, are people really gonna want to watch TV about a writer's room? And here I am engrossed in it. Are you watching reboot? Uh, I've watched the first few episodes. I'm like, you know, jumping. I I think I got caught up on Wednesday. Oh yeah, Wednesday. I just watched the pilot. It was great. Jenna Ortega really sells it. Yeah, she really does. Yeah. It's really beautifully shot. I mean, you that's what you'd expect out of Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, jumping in between all of those and... Fuck, I haven't even watched the newest season of Jennifer Friedman's show, Indefensible, which is amazing. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I mean, it's weird because it's like a true crime docuseries, but it's done by a comedian, but done by a comedian who's, like, really smart. Mm. And she'll just, like, essentially, like, roast... DAs to their face. Okay. It's great. Yeah. That's it's really, really. To the top of the list. Yeah. Once my show wraps, I'm gonna sit in a closet and watch every TV show. Yes. Until my brain melts. Oh yeah, and then there will be more TV to watch. I know. Yeah. Um, can I plug the show I'm working on? Please do. Again, I don't know if this will help the numbers at all, mm -hmm. but. I am working on a new TV show, and it's going to be on Bounce TV, which not a lot of people are scrambling for. <laughs> so I need to I need to hype it up where I can. But it is a multi-cam comedy starring Yvette Nicole Brown, Tisha Campbell, and Kim Whitley. So it's comedy legends. Right. And it's about three black women in their 50s who move in together, Golden Girl style. Oh, great. It's perfect. Sweet. And a, a black woman showrunner. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. And the... This whole staff is super diverse right and um mostly women mm -hmm. it's like exactly the project right i think that's a great elevator pitch Lynn. yeah it's yeah. so it's such a good show. and the work environment is really good and i feel like for me whenever i hear that like mm -hmm. oh a tv show work culture is good i'm like oh that makes me want to watch it even more oh yeah it's like a dream job oh and i wrote i co-wrote an episode there you go episode 114 how do people get Bounce TV? Uh, you can watch it through Pluto. It is a cable channel. Sure. So that's what's hard because right. nobody has cable. Mm -hmm. But if you have cable, you can watch it on cable or you can get it through Pluto TV. Which is free, ad-supported, and you don't even have to sign up for it. You just go to Pluto TV online and you can start watching it. I would say this show, it's like um, it's like eating a bowl of ice cream. Wow. Wait way to touch. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I can only ever eat like three bites anyway. Well, now it's a milkshake. It. There you go. You can drink it 
and and just to, I only have one more question for okay. you. Thank you so much for being oh, on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was yeah. so great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I met you, you went by Lynn Molly, spelled M O L L Y. Yes. But it's M A L E H, correct? Yes. And now with you, the mission that you've laid out for your show that you co-run with Gina B. Jones. Gina B. Jones. Um, is it, are, are you fluid between the two or are you going to actually go with the real spelling? It is really tough. The main reason I go with Lynn Molly is to make it more pronounceable. Sure. Because basically when I started doing open mic comedy, I got so sick of people being like, next up is Lynn Miller. Now, I don't know. Who is she? Does anyone know who this is? Is she here? And right. I was like, well, that's not a confident right. way to go on stage. Right. And then also I was working in, like, marketing and PR, so I didn't want, like, my clients to find me. Mm-hmm. But then slowly as I've gotten more and more, like, loud about, you know, the whole Middle Eastern thing, I've been like, well, I want my name. Mm-hmm. And people should be able to learn how to pronounce it. But then I barely know how to pronounce it correctly because my weird. Mm-hmm. Is there a correct pronunciation that we're not doing? It is like Mila. Mila? It's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's going to say it. Mm-hmm. I can barely say it. It means salty. <laughs> sure. Um, sometimes I consider adding the L back because traditionally it would be Lin L Mila. Uh-huh. But uh, the L, it just means like son of salty right uh but then that got dropped and then i'm like sometimes i should put that back and be even more diverse right and like really lean in so i don't know what to do jake what would you do having a strong name you have no idea how how powerful that is i mean i i get it i i ask because i am captured with this dilemma quite a bit Uh, so my given birth name is fausto Angelo de jesus yeah which is much more fitting of my style. Yes. However, my name has been Jake for so long that I just, like, can't imagine my name not being Jake. It is really hard. Nobody likes it when you change your name. My perspective about it from is because as somebody who's adopted and an immigrant and an army brat who barely, barely has roots in anything, uh, what's important to me is agency. Yeah. So... With that in mind, I just want to do whatever I want to do, um, despite whatever anybody's feelings about it is or where the conversation is. And that's what I would urge you to do is, like, whatever you feel you want to do and feels most you, do that. Whether it's saying the actual original pronunciation or, you know, you doing you. Yeah. Like, technically, so Blair Saki, who we love. Yeah. Um, Saki's an Italian last name, which the way that Blair says it is wrong. I always thought it's, it was Blair Sochi. It's Sochi, but it's her name. Yeah. So she says Saki, it's Saki. That's how she knew it. Yeah. That's like when I was growing up, my parents were like, oh, tell people Molly. Right. So they can pronounce it. Right. So my whole life, my right. name has been Lynn Molly in right. my head. Right. But then when I see Lynn M-O-L-O-Y written on paper, I'm like, well, that's not it. Right. So I think I just need to, I don't know, create my own. Right. But you're right. That makes me feel better that Blair is living the same. Right. Because there, there's, you know, I mean, it just really depends how you feel about it. Like, eh, earlier in his career, Hassan Minhaj was Hassan. And some people said Hassan. Other people said Hassan. 
And on the record, Huston would be like, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. I know what you guys yeah. are saying. But then at some point he changed his mind. He's like, no, this is more authentically me. Yeah. And like, yeah, whatever's authentic to you. Yeah. Which is why I tell people, whatever you're feeling, Fausto or Jake, I'll answer to both. Yeah. You also just, I feel like you want to go on stage mm-hmm. with as little like bumbling from the host as possible. Sure. Because there's nothing worse than them not knowing how to pronounce your name. Someone sent me a stat mm-hmm. that was like comics who have a credit are paid attention to 40% more or something. Sure. So I feel like the way you're set up up top. Yeah, I think that also depends where you're at. Yeah. And what your credit is. So if I'm watching a show, a stand-up show, and somebody says, oh, you've seen them on Comedy Central, HBO, or whatever, um, I'll probably tune out better or like more likely Yeah. because... Everybody's done that. You know that. they were just an extra. On a yeah, everyone has those goddamn credits. I know. I know. I, I I almost wish some show had the balls to be like, you won't see comics that you've seen on Netflix <laughs> or HBO. These comics have done nothing but open mics. They are nobodies. <laughs> but they're funny. They're funny. I mean, I know a lot of funny people who have zero credits. Oh boy, do people we? People I would. Uh, book in a heartbeat yeah and would be the funniest people in the whole world yeah does Milan Patel have credits yet I don't think so but he's so funny Milan is so funny that is like when people ask me like who should be watching that no one knows yeah Milan yeah I always think about Trevor Smith oh yeah Trevor Smith yeah who's like so under the radar oh yeah but he kills me Absolutely. I could list so many comics who don't have, like, social media followings that I think are right. just complete gems. I, will, I bet it's not going to last for much longer because they're ama- they were already amassing a following. It's only getting bigger every month or so. But um, Roz Hernandez. I don't know Roz. You don't know Roz? I don't know Roz. Ooh, you would Am love I Roz. missing something really good? Roz started stand-up as a man doing drag. Okay. And then over quarantine, transitioned into a woman. And you know what? It's funnier for it. I will find Roz. Roz is so funny. Oh, I am on board for Roz. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll hunt down. And my what team. a great drag name. As they, they used to go by Roz Dress for Les. A good handle. That's what we all really need. A <laughs> yeah. great handle. There was a girl on a show I was on with, and hers was Twinka Masala. Mm-hmm. Because she, she's a drag I believe. Right. An yep. Indian. And I was like, cool. That's great. Beautiful. We love it. Right. Or do you know Sam O? Oh, yeah. I know Gay Sam Virgin O. Virgin 666. <laughs> Come on. It's, mwah. That's great. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, got, I, I guess, real last question. Um, Twitter, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I have Sign off. Good it, Mastodon. Yeah. So I have, like, nothing of mm-hmm. value or any personal information really there. Sure. I ha- like I haven't really used it in years. I'll just like retweet if someone tags me in something. Sure. Um, I gave up on Twitter a long time ago, right. so now I'm just like uh, I guess I'll keep it there in case. Right. I get tagged in something. Once. Fair. I think that's actually a good of amount of people that I are still on. I noticed my following went down very oh, yeah. dramatically. Oh, because a lot of people are leaving left and right, yeah. and I even today, the day that it was recording, I read in the uh, trades. That um, Elon, in his quote-unquote infinite wisdom, which is, I think, really just trying to torpedo Twitter, um, 
is no longer going to enforce the COVID misinformation policy that Twitter had. And it's like, okay, I feel like... Maybe I'm not going to jump ship, but I, I don't care anymore. Then there's so many people on Twitter who are so funny that I, like, love following that it's right. like, such right. a loss of a medium. Because it really, it, to me, of all the social media channels, it's the one I like to visit the most. Sure. But it's the one I like to participate in the least. Fair. That's fair. And there's such a specific dynamic to it. People who are really funny on Twitter don't want to, like, figure out their voice on Instagram. Or TikTok. Oh, TikTok is one I, I won't even, I can't even. I and know. I know I have to. I know this is aging me. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's It doesn't help that my Jersey roommate give, gives me the worst of TikTok. Oh, no. I Wait, know that we have, Jersey like. Jersey roommate is still your roommate? Yeah. Jake, I thought, I thought we worked through this. I thought we talked. People I don't support, Lynn, people don't support the Bureau enough. <laughs> It's Giving Tuesday, and I only got ten dollars. Like a year ago, I was like, "Jake, this has to end. This is toxic." Uh-huh. I didn't realize you were still in it. Three years going. Oh, Jake. I know. I, I mean, know. I get it. It's a housing crisis. What are you gonna do? I have. I even anywhere in LA, a thousand dollars is like pretty good. Yeah. And I live in a great neighborhood. You're in like Los Feliz. Larchmont. Oh yeah. For a grand, and I get you're my own going nowhere. own bedroom, own bathroom, own parking spot. Oh, you're going nowhere. That's what. That's what I'm paying for. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have a horrible downstairs neighbor, and yeah, we're just together forever. It seems. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh, well, maybe the war in Ukraine will end, and things will change. You know. I can't. I can't say what the future holds, but hopefully it's. Oh, home. but you can because you got a show coming on what December eighth. December fifth, Monday, 5th. December fifth, in the main room. In the, the main Andrew. room. Yeah. At what time? Seven p.m. Hilarious BB's uh, Monday, December fifth, at seven p.m. Supporting what organization? You'll you'll be mastered at this by the time yeah, you got to do it. I know. I know. Let me get this. Let uh-huh. me get this. You guys are gonna love this. At Iran writes on Instagram, mm-hmm. and it is the, okay, here we go, Abdurhaman Borman Center of Human Rights, and they support the advancements of human rights and democracy in Iran. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Or just send money to them, or just follow them and like them on Instagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you online, and what else would you like to promote? Oh, you can follow me at Halen Molly on Instagram and my defunct Twitter, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, watch After Your Age on Bounce that comes out in March. So keep an eye out for it. Sweet. Um, I'm Jake Roger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com. At the Comedy Bureau across platforms, you can find me on Instagram and on the supermarket. On Twitter, retweeting the Comedy Bureau usually at MFJ Kroger. Um, so many great crosses to support this time. Uh, like the one Lynn mentioned that I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but just, just hit the rewind 10 seconds button twice and you'll hear it. Um, and, uh, if you have money and generosity left over, please support the comedy bureau. And, uh, do you have anything to say as we sign off Lynn? Yeah, I'm all good. Just, 
beautiful night on the street here in Silver Lake. Absolutely, with uh, police cars, light jazz, running groups, compliments, compliments, compliments. Yeah, they happen in Los Angeles. Beautiful night. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, people do walk and people do talk to each other here. We've we've debunked it all. Yes. Now we just need someone to pull someone's dick out. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good on that too. I'm good I'd on rather, that. Rather yeah. not see that. Yeah. That's just a callback for someone who listens to the whole. Episode. I know. Yeah, for sure. Nothing like quite Callbacks like. Callbacks are comedy. The comedy bureau. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> As you just heard, live comedy is still happening, and as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube